We've been uh, looking at Proverbs and talking about uh, contrasting uh, puzzle pieces uh, that if you just take all the Proverbs and put them out on a table like puzzle pieces, you kind of sort the ones that look like they belong to each other. And then uh, we talked about the fact that they often contrast things. And so we, we looked at that. And um, <clears throat> this week, I want to talk about three different things that the Proverbs contrast. Um, real security versus false security. Humility versus pride. And then what God loves versus what God hates. <clears throat> So talking about security in, in life and real versus false security, Proverbs teaches that real security is found in putting our trust in Jesus and in a life of righteousness. Um, those two things. And uh, here's some sample verses I want to share. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Now he's not saying that riches are bad. At all. He's just saying that you can't put your trust there. You have to put your trust in God. Proverbs 16 8. Better a little with righteousness than much with injustice. Proverbs 18 11, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. And so they just think that, you know. Their, their wealth is something that will protect them from any outside uh, negative thing that's going to happen to them. And then um, Proverbs 23, uh, verses 4 through 5 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. J.D. Greer, who pastors the um, Summit Church in North Carolina, says the definition of the American dream is that money is essential and it is the best way to have security and pleasure. And then he says, but when Jesus becomes your beauty, when he has become your security, then you will be able to follow him wherever he tells you you will no longer require nice things or creature comforts to enjoy life. You will no longer require huge sums of money to, in savings to feel secure. And your heart is overwhelmed, and as your heart is overwhelmed with the grace that God has shown you in the gospel, you'll find that there's nothing you'd rather do with your money than help people find Jesus. And I thought that was a great quote. I was reading this week um, some John Maxwell material, and I've, I've listened to John Maxwell for as long as I've been in ministry, and uh, he just turned 70 years old this month, and is very involved and has all kinds of ministries going and all of that, and he's kind of like his dad. His dad is 98, uh, Melvin Maxwell, and he... He came and did a revival for me 23 years ago, and he's still busy. Uh, he lives in a retirement village, but he's the he calls himself the chaplain pastor of the whole group <laughs> and all of that. But John is, is 70 and uh, hasn't shown much of a hint of slowing down either. 
But in the last couple months, uh, since the first of the year, they have sold their home in Florida and they're moving into a condo right in the same uh, town. Um, and they've downsized and moved into that where all the maintenance and all of that kind of stuff is done and they can travel as he travels around the world speaking all the time. And, um, but he runs these, these ministries, Equip and, and uh, the John Maxwell team and all kinds of other things. And he speaks all over the world. And, and so one of the big things that he had to do when they moved from the house, the big house to the condo, was downsize and figure out, okay, what do I do with all this stuff? And he got to the point in his office where he looked at filing cabinets after filing cabinets after filing cabinets of all the quotes, illustrations, everything that he has kept his whole life. Now, I have listened from the time I started in ministry at age 28. I started hearing John Maxwell at that point talk about how vitally important it is that you write down quotes from all your books and, and make notes and, and keep all of this stuff and you, you organize it so that you can always go and find it real quick and all of that. So I know, and, and just last year I heard him talk about it again. <laughs> so I, I've heard him talk about it my whole ministry long, how important all that is. And so he looked at those filing cabinets. This is just in the last couple months. He looked at those filing cabinets and he said, God, what do I do with them? And he said, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, those have become your security blanket. <laughs> and so he said, he went through them and he cried. <laughs> and then he gave one filing cabinet away after another. He kept less than 10 folders out of all of his filing cabinets from all of his years of ministry starting when he was 28. All of those years of recording things and hiring staff to do all that and keep it all organized and all of that. And so um, he says he gave that all away and he said, so today in 2017, I am embarking on a new journey of only speaking from my experiences and from what is deep down inside me and not relying on all the things that used to be at my fingertips. <laughs> and so that was a great example, I thought, of somebody recognizing an area where maybe he needed to give up what had become security for him and moving into an area where he wasn't all that secure. So Steve Jobs... Um, and that's a picture of John Maxwell. Steve Jobs says, erase the board of your achievements and allow yourself to be a beginner again. Just think of a whiteboard that's full of stuff. You write down all the things you've accomplished and achieved and then take the eraser and erase it all, even at the age of 70, and become a beginner again. Open up the doors for God to do something new. Now, Steve Jobs is, is uh, gone, but, uh, and, and I don't know whether he was even a believer or not, but um, 
that's a good point for us to think through, that sometimes we have security in things where we need to just trust God in. The second theme uh, that I want to talk to you about today of humility and pride is kind of related to that because pride is false security. Pride is when you and I begin to think more of ourselves and our abilities and what we think and how we process things and all of that and what we do than what God cares about. And I start to think, overrate myself compared to um, God. And, And so that's a false security. And so humility is actually true security. It it is the the best security for us. Proverbs says that God loves the humble. Proverbs 3, verse 34. He mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Now, one of the key notes of a humble person in Proverbs is that they will listen to advice. Proverbs 13.10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. One of the other things about humility is that the humble fear God. Proverbs 15, verse 33. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor, and life. So both of those emphasizing that uh, humility is, is the fear of the Lord. And then Proverbs goes on to tell us that humility helps us gain honor. Proverbs 18, 12, before, the, before a downfall, the heart is haughty or proud. But humility comes before honor. And Proverbs 29 says much the same thing, 29, 23. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. James Collins wrote a book some time ago for leaders. And it's been interesting to watch James Collins um, in his faith walk. He is, I would say, when I first came into contact with him, I wouldn't have considered him a believer, but he is... Uh, just kept walking closer and closer and really come to um, embrace faith in Christ. And uh, James writes in the leadership, um, business leadership realm, and he writes this book uh, called Good to Great. And he had done a a study of all kinds of leaders across organizations, and he, he said, we were surprised to discover that the type of leadership for turning a company around from being a good company to a great company was not necessarily the kind of leadership that we expected. Compared to the high-profile leaders with big personalities who make the headlines and become big big celebrities, um, the good-to-great leaders seem to have come from Mars. They were just different from that. They were often quiet, reserved, and even shy. They had this unique blend of both personal humility and professional will. That's a unique thing. 
that, he, that they discovered in people who were leading the, the companies that went from being good and average to really great. Connecting personal humility with professional willpower. So he says they were a lot more like Lincoln and Socrates than they were Patton and Caesar. And then Stephen Covey, um, in, in a book called The Speed of Trust, writes, Being humble does not mean being weak or reticent or self-effacing. It means recognizing that there are principles, um, even in the face of opposition, and, and stands that we need to be able to take. Humble people can negotiate intensely. They can drive hard bargains. They can express themselves firmly and clearly in intense situations, even in close personal relationships. Now, you think about the things that I've said there about humility. Just the opposite pretty much can be said about pride. First of all, the Lord loves the humble. What does he say about the proud? Proverbs 16, verse 5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. The proud uh, do not gain honor while the humble do. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19 um, says, pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And then Proverbs 21 verse 4 says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart. The unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. Tim Keller um, I believe he's based out of Minneapolis, um, writes, the fact that Jesus had to die for me humbled me out of my pride. And I think every one of us, if we just stop and, and think about the fact of how much Jesus did and that he had to die for me and for my sin, that ought to wipe away a lot of pride in our lives. Um, the fact that Jesus, you know, um, this many years after following Jesus, um, I still need the cross <laughs> today. I still know I'm going to need it tomorrow. That ought to wipe away a lot of pride in my life. And then he goes on to say, the fact that Jesus was glad to die for me assured me out of my fear, that we can live without fear and we can live with confidence at the same time. John Maxwell um, said that pride is what helps us do some positive things. There's a good side to pride. It helps us excel. It helps us do work that we can sign our name to. Um, we don't want to be people that just don't do a good job. Um, that's not what humility is. Um, we want to excel. We want to be able to do work that we're proud of. Um, pride ought to bring out the best in us. Pride ought to bring out the best in a team. Um, but there's the negative side, and that's when, when Proverbs is talking about pride, he's talking about um, the negative side of pride, and that is what separates us from others and makes us look down on other people. Will Rogers um, says this, It's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. 
It is what you're absolutely sure of that just ain't so that gets you in trouble. <laughs> and that, um, a lot of truth there in that one. The third thing that I want to talk to you about today from Proverbs is that there's a contrast between the things that God hates and the things that God loves. Proverbs lists seven things that God hates in one very key passage, and you see it up on the screen, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. Now, what, what is haughty eyes? Just looking down on someone else. Being proud, thinking you're better than everyone else around you. A lying tongue. When you can't tell the truth or, or take things and, and uh, exaggerate and all of that. We, we have to be careful with our tongues. Hands that shed innocent blood. Being very careful about that. A heart that devises wicked schemes. That's just looking for a way. Um, to do something that is not pleasing to God. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So there's, there's seven things that, that he lists. And, and it's amazing as you walk through Proverbs. I mean, you, he lists all of these right here in this, this passage. And then as you walk through Proverbs, he keeps coming back to listing those seven things again and again throughout Proverbs. Um, I'm going to get to one other thing that he doesn't list in this list. But listen to some of these verses where he compliments this list and then contrasts them with the things that God loves. Proverbs 11.20 says, The Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Proverbs 15.26 The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. And then Proverbs 17, verse 15 says, Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. And my, do we not see a lot of that today? Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent. Now, in addition to those seven things that God lists there in Proverbs uh, through Solomon, uh, he adds this other thing of dishonesty. And this really has to do with our personal relationships, um, work, all those kind of um, things in our life. Proverbs 11 verse 1 says, The Lord detests dishonest scales. So if I, you know, if I'm selling bread and I, you know, change my scale so that a loaf of bread um, doesn't, weigh a pound, and I'm telling you I'm selling you a, a loaf that weighs a pound, but it only weighs three-fourths of a pound, um, the Lord detests that if I do that. He wants me to be fair in all of my dealings, uh, in all of the financial dealings that I have. 
but accurate weights find favor with him. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10. Again, the same thing. Differing weights and differing measures. The Lord detests them both. And so we need to be very mindful of that, that we, you and I, we, we can't be people who cheat other people. We have to have honest scales in the way we, we treat other people. The last thing that I want to say this morning, you're going to get out of here real early this, this morning. Um, the last thing I want to say this morning is that God clearly loves righteousness. When I, when I started out this morning, I said God um, wants us to learn to trust put our security in him and in righteousness. Those two things. In other words, there are every, every day you and I have a choice between righteous behavior and unrighteous behavior. Every day, almost every hour, all throughout our days, we have a choice between doing what we know to be right to do and what we have questions about and then what we know to be wrong to do. Every day we have that continually bombarding us. God wants us to always be people who just choose what we know to be right to do. That's what he desires of us. And so Proverbs chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. And if we do that, that means we trust God. We trust that what he says is the right thing to do is actually the best thing for us even if it doesn't show up so good immediately for us. That doing the right thing is always the best thing for us. Clearly, God loves righteousness. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. So notice those two things. The upright prayer, the prayer of the upright pleases God and he loves those who pursue righteousness.